Hi guys, how it's going? Thank you so much for coming back to another episode of a Chit Chat podcast. I'm super excited to talk about the topic that I'm going to be covering today. It's going to be the beauty, the beauty standards, social media and how they, or better to say it, how it influences our perception of what is beautiful or not, who is beautiful and who is not. So it's a pretty complex subject to talk about within just, you know, a scope of only 20 to 30 minutes, but I'll try to do my best and cover it from not probably a fresh perspective, but definitely from my personal perspective, and hopefully it will give you some food for thought or probably just will make your day a little bit better or worse, but let's see. So you know why this topic even bothers me talking about it? Because I been in social media for so long i think the year that instagram came out is 2011 and that was the year when i just moved to a different country to study so a lot of peer pressure a lot of you know anxiousness about the studies about my future and social media became some sort of an outlet for me to talk to people from around the world to tell them about my experience and simply speaking self-expression but nowadays, it's 2023, everything I think has changed, you know, Kardashians, Hailey Bieber, who else, like all of those people, especially all of them come from the States, I think, they have imposed such unrealistic standards of beauty. And the worst part in all of that, that a lot of them do not talk about the plastic surgery that they done on themselves and um, other beauty secrets that most people just simply do not have access to and all of those beautiful tiktok girls you know makeup tutorials on youtube in people in gorgeous bikinis or even without them all of that kind of like makes me feel bad about myself a lot of times and what's interesting enough is that the beautifulness you know changes relative to sometimes to the amount of followers that those people have on their social media or better to say the degree of their successes especially once again if we talk about people who are in the media realm and uh, I'm not here to talk about the obvious stuff but I just want you to remind that in from the scientific point of view the beauty is important because it roots back to the question of the population people having sex and most of the times a lot of people psychologists psychotherapists scientists might say that it has something to do with our health that when you have glowy skin if you have you know good breasts good booty it all comes down to what people now call beauty but back in the days it was all about that you might have good genes that your kids will live longer and they will be able to have their own kids but i'm not here to give you a lecture on the importance of good diet or exercise because we all know about that but not all of us are perfect and especially now the question of being beautiful is more about social perception of it, not actually physical health or something to do with that. And I'll just listen to my favorite, you know, human of the world, Andrew Huberman. And he was talking about that a lot of people now opt in, you know, not having kids at all. So nowadays, the question is, I think, honestly, not about being healthy and being able to pass better genes to your future potential kids it's more about how you present yourself to the world in social media and all of that stuff 
So we all have different beauty standards, and I think it's important to differentiate between two types. General beauty standards, what current beauty standards are, what general beauty standards are, and your subjective. That actually, I think, they usually don't change over time that much, and I'll explain you why. So, for example, nowadays, probably I'm wrong, but usually, you know, somebody would say that it's Kylie Jenner or basically the whole Kardashian family with big breasts, huge lips, tiny nose, and that kind of like type visually wise and uh, okay a lot of that comes from the western influence especially from the american influence especially from california i think so that is something that a lot of people try to follow in terms of the you know surgeries that they do upon themselves that's the type that a lot of girls now i i don't say that all of them but most girls they follow this beauty standard and i think it's nothing to do with actually their physical beauty but more about their commercial success but we're going to talk about this a little bit later and the second part of how and what you perceive as beautiful is your subjective standards so for me a lot of my friends would know i would definitely call one and only Lily Collins. I think she's adorable. I think she's the most beautiful because she has those tiny features. I mean, like nose, tiny nose, very, very, you know, neat. Is it the right word though? Very big lips. She's super skinny, even though she does not have, you know, size five of her breasts, but I, I don't really care. I find her the most adorable, the most benevolent person, especially when you see her in the movies or even in the real life interviews. I think she is a great person inside out. And uh, I also mentioned Madison Beer, you know, the singer, the songwriter, and uh, if you'll Google them, if you've never seen them before, a lot of people might say that they look exactly the same or like very similar and probably some would find resemblance even between them and me. And I'm sure it's something to do with the subconscious, you know, feeling of having a role model that is the perfect version of yourself. So it's something to do with narcissism. I don't know. But I'm trying to point out the problem here is that the generalized current contemporary beauty standards not always go with your subjective beauty standards and it's okay but still we have this template which comes back from the greek from ancient greeks about the golden ratio of beauty and today i read that amber heard is not even though she's not very popular right now, but she does have the most perfect face in the world, according to a doctor who utilized the Greek golden ratio of beauty to support his claim. His name is Dr. Julian De Silva. I think he works at Centered for Advanced Facial Cosmetic and Plastic Surgery in London. So this golden ratio was discovered by the Greeks and it is used in mathematics, arts, design, film, etc. The ratio is one 0.618 and can be found everywhere in nature and many have considered it as a secret formula to create perfection and this doctor has facial scanning technology that allows him to map faces to deduce which faces have perfect proportions he analyzed 12 key points of amber heard's facial structure including you know her eyes lips nose chin etc and he discovered that according to the golden ratio theory, once again coming back from ancient Greeks, 
Ertz's face was 91.85% perfect, higher than any other famous subjects he studied. So obviously, there are a lot of people who are not in the public eye and who are probably more beautiful than Amber Heard, but even the idea of having a mathematical standard of beauty, honestly, it annoys me a lot. And let me tell you one thing. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And throughout the history, we had this perfect body proportions and the Da Vinci's Vitruvian man. And sometimes it feels like only runway models, you know, in theory, are the walking representation of those ideal body proportions. And only they deserve the right to have the right to live and breed. The drawing itself, the Vitruvian man, is often used as a universal symbol of the symmetry of the human body and the universe. But it's so theoretical. It's not universal, actually. It's not that beautiful, in my honest opinion. You know, so why do we even have this assumption of a standard for something that relative? And I want to talk about one book that I read, actually, when I was just 16. I'm saying just because I think it's a pretty complex book, not even to understand, but to process. But I think I heard it first from Sonia Esmond's YouTube video. I love this video blogger. And at that time, she was talking a lot about that. And i really grateful that she mentioned this book. It is written by an American cosmetic surgeon. His name is Maxwell Maltz. And the book called Psycho-Cybernetics, A New Way to Get More Living Out of Life. So the title probably does not explicitly tell you that it's going to be about beauty and stuff, but probably you can guess it just because it was written by a cosmetic surgeon. So the book dates back to 1960. So that was more than, let me count this, more than 63 years ago. But I think the idea of this book is as valuable as it was back in 1960. I think it was some sort of a revolution when it came out. So the book introduced Malt's views that people must have an accurate and positive view of themselves before setting goals. Otherwise, they will get stuck in a continuing pattern of limiting beliefs and his ideas focus on visualizing one's goals and he believed that self-image is the cornerstone of all the changes that take place in a person. And according to Malt's, if one's self-image isn't healthy or faulty, all of a person's efforts will end in failure. As a suggestion, though, please disregard the part about, you know, visualizing one's goals, because this book has nothing to do with esoterics and dream boards. He does not talk about this back in 1960s, but I found it's very healthy approach. Because in a lot of cases, what bothers us and my friends, my girlfriends especially, is that people, you know, they undergo plastic surgery, they never talk about this, but then we feel like they were born like that, and then we question ourselves why we're not that beautiful as those people are. But I think the most important idea that I got as a teenage girl at 16 years old is that it exists and a lot of people will and should probably resort to his services, but only in case 
they already have a positive view on themselves. Because the main idea of the book actually would be about people differentiating between the people who have positive outlook on themselves in the first place and a negative one. Because from his personal experience, from his work experience, I mean, he realized that whenever people are not feeling confident, whenever they have a lot of doubts whether they should undergo this procedure and treatment or not, and whether they have doubts whether it's going to change their lives or not, usually, even if they do the plastic surgery, everything goes perfect. And now this person is kind of like this walking representation of a perfect face or body. Nothing changes in their lives and they can even sometimes go into clinical depression and things become much worse than they were before. But in cases when people, for example, they went to a war or they are super confident in themselves, but they just want to get one more thing done to make them perfect in their own eyes, it will be a drastically different experience for them. And they might get a new job, they might get that role in a movie, you know, it's very tied to their success and it really helps them. So by the time he was publishing and writing this book, he had the experience of working with people for over 40 years, if not more. But it really stuck with me, the idea that sometimes it has really nothing to do with how we look and see ourselves in the mirror, but for some reason, how we feel internally. And that is nothing to do with beauty. It's a lot to do with how much money you earn, the friends that you have. So for me, it's already the question not of beauty, it's a question of the level of self-confidence. So if we talk about the money as a resource of your confidence, in brackets, we can put things like safety, physical safety, access to healthcare, facial treatments, access to gym, places where you live, you know, the places where you travel to. Another great, I think I took it from my personal experience, source of self-confidence would be your love partner. Because in brackets, we can put things like moral support, admiration of one, the exchange of those endorphins, oxytocin, oxytocin, or I'm not sure if you, I, I pronounce it correctly, but you know, the hormone of love and healthy addiction, I think. So it might be those things that bring you confidence. Also colleagues and friends and everything to do with your social status in class. It also brings a lot to the table when we talk about self-confidence. So for many people, I think they nowadays, especially because of social media pressure, they do confuse beauty problems with confidence problems. And in a lot of times, obviously, those two things do intersect, right? For example, if you were unfortunately not that lucky and you got into a car accident, you can get some physical damage done to your body. And as a result of that, you gain this unfortunate complex of your appearance. And it's something that you might and want to change and should change if it affects your life so much. But a lot of times, I think this also applies to me, I hope, it's just a matter of, as I've mentioned before, how much money I earn, the place where I live, who my friends are, what my job is, and nothing to do with my physical appearance, basically. 
And I think in a lot of cases, also the perception of oneself, you know, even the physical perception of oneself, depends on the events, on the environment, and most importantly, our hormones. And Andrew Huberman, once again, he talks a lot about that. So especially as a girl, I have my periods. And my boyfriend would definitely tell you that one week before I got my period, we might have an argument. I might be, you know, acting like a tiny bitch or a big bitch. He would be the one, you know, to ask this question if you need more details on that. But it's very circumstantial. In a lot of cases, that would really depend on the phase of the moon, on the day on horoscope and your physical state, your own hormones. So, for example, if somebody is currently undergoing through a phase of clinical depression, his perception of oneself, especially physically wise, could be much worse than it is in reality. Or it cannot even reflect any degree of the reality to this person at all, just because his not hormones, but neurotransmitters and all of that stuff. I'm sorry, I'm not a scientist. I can't forget, you know, real scientific terms to be applied in the, the context like that. But you got the idea. So the perception of oneself depends on a lot of things. And it's really your job to make, to do this reality check to see whether it's something to do with those things or everything just boils down that your nose is not that perfect. So we know a lot of cases when people overcompensate things through money and other assets or other ways. So to conclude this very broad and very complex topic, I want to give you one tool that I came around, I think, less than a week ago. I found accidentally, somebody just shared it on Telegram, a public group of cosmetic surgeon and she was telling people about which clients she accepts and which clients she does not accept and why she's in position to accept someone or not even though people pay her you know huge amounts of money is because first of all she is one of the most popular cosmetic surgeons in that region or probably even in the world but the second part and I think it's the most important part, at least she would tell you so, is that when she looks out for specific signs or phrases in that person's speech, when she has, you know, initial conversation with that potential client, whenever she hears phrases like, oh, I'm afraid I might lose a self, a feeling of self, or I'm afraid that whenever I will look in my mirror after the treatment after the surgery, there might be a different person standing in front of me. So anything to do with dysmorphia and body dysmorphic disorder is a mental health condition in which you just can't stop thinking about one or more perceived defects or flaws in your appearance. She cannot and will not accept this client. She only takes the clients that are not only confident, but they somehow can explain to her why they want to do this and how it might change their life. One might say that it's not her business, but you know, clients giving their body to someone to change it. And it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of physical pain. So I think it's actually amazing that this person is trying to build some sort of a personal relationship with her potential clients. Because if she feels like there is a little 
tiny degree of self-doubt, she will never take this client. At least she says so. And for me, that was very important to hear because sometimes I look in the mirror and I find my lips are not that big and my nose is not that acute. And then I go to back to the Instagram or TikTok and I feel like everybody's got this filter perfect look. And I'm just thinking, what's wrong with me? Maybe I should do something about this. But then I think I have so many questions, I have so many doubts. And in my case, as I figure out with my therapist, by reading different books, I am sure, I'm confident enough to say that it's something to do with my self-confidence, the environment, the people who surround me, and it's something that I'm in charge of, and it's nothing to do with my physical appearance, at least now. So I want to sum it up by saying that I never will judge someone who will decide for themselves that they want to do something with their body. It's completely their choice. But I just want to make sure that some girls, especially girls, but there might be some men who are doubting themselves and understand where it might come from. But let me tell you guys, just remember that sometimes, and I think in 90% of the cases, it has nothing to do with your physical drawbacks. I, I'm not sure if it's the right phrasing for that, but you might be trying to find actually a pretty simple excuse to greater problems like self-confidence, love partner that you're not satisfied with, or the place where you live or the colleagues that you have on work that annoy you and then you feel like you know that you don't deserve a lot and probably bigger lips will attract their attention more and they will respect you more something like that it's all stupid right so yes you are not beautiful you are gorgeous from the inside out and i think that people who listen to these type you know, of conversations and they have doubts of themselves, it just says that they have some degree of healthy self-reflection. And the word healthy is very much dependent, obviously, on the extent this self-reflection takes place. But by saying all of that, I just want to make sure that people like myself and you, if you're listening to this episode, that those beauty standards that we see, especially coming from the US, from the Western culture, it has a lot to do with grabbing our attention because it's so either, quote, perfect or just eye-catching. But it's nothing to do with actually beauty. And more importantly, it has nothing to do with your self-confidence. There are other ways how you can build it up. So thank you so much once again for listening to it. Long, long episode, but I really hope that it sparks some conversation in your own head. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, always feel free to reach out to me on my social media or my email. I'll have it all in the description box to this episode. I love you so much. I really hope that everyone is so confident in themselves and their actions every single day. I wish you the best day, the best week, and the best year of your life. And talk to you soon. Bye.